Welcome to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast, a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm Tony Guerra, pharmacist, publisher, and professional editor, bringing you interviews and advice on succeeding in your residency journey. You can sign up for the email list at pharmacyresidencypodcast.com to get your free LOI template or get editing help working one-on-one with me at residency.teachable.com. Let's get started with the show. Hey, welcome to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast. Remember the Pharmacy Podcast Network. What I wanted to do is give you a couple of tips for uh, mid-year this weekend in Las Vegas. And there are three things that you should be trying to do. Number one, you've got 4,000 choices out there. You want to apply to the right places. Uh, Number two, you want to meet the right people. And number three, you want to send the right materials. So let's go over each of these three pieces. The first thing is, Uh, you're going to try to apply to the right places. And if you've done it right, uh, you have applied and gotten certain appies, uh, which are part of the residency that you're going to do. So either one, you're in the appy that you're supposed to be in, and it's at the hospital that you're going to be at, which is great. Uh, And you can continue that conversation with everybody and you can ask them a question or two, but uh, really it's more about just saying hi uh, and hopefully you'll be able to go see them in the social afterwards. Uh, The other type of appy that you need is the one that uh, makes sense. So when I look at your CV, it should take me about five, 10 seconds to see that, okay, you're an acute care applicant, you're an ambulatory care applicant, or you're a managed care applicant or a community applicant based on what I see with your appies. So that's the first thing. As you're going into the booths and talking to everybody, uh, your goal is not to make sure you're remembered. You will not be remembered. Uh, You are trying to figure out if this is a good fit. And again, what we really want to focus on is how you feel about them. Don't worry about the objective thing. You've got that already. What you want to do is make sure that when you said, okay, this is my top choice, you go and you meet them and eh, it doesn't really feel like your top choice anymore. Uh, That's a real red flag. And your brain is a lot smarter than you are. And so you'll just kind of write that down and kind of move on, talk to them a little bit. And then you're going to find some places that you really didn't think were great, but all of a sudden they are. Uh, And that is exactly what this is all about. It's just like online dating, uh, where uh, you meet the person in person, and it's like meeting the person for the first time. And what you're going to find is the personalities of the groups are so, so different. Uh, And you're going to be going around the country in that room and showcase from New York to L.A. to the Midwest uh, and Florida. And and it's going to be great. And of course, Iowa, uh, where I am at myself. So uh, first thing, if your appy is good uh, and those make sense, then you should have good conversations with those people at showcase. Uh, Second thing is uh, you should be applying regionally uh, to start. Uh, and work your way out. Yes, I know some of you are going to move around the country, and that's fine that you have that availability, especially with something like PEDS or something like that, where uh, there's only just maybe one or two in certain states and things like that. Uh, but your next best chance of getting a residency is to be in state. Uh, many schools, half of their applicants, half of their residencies are actually in state only. And then they kind of move around the region. So in the Southeast, if you're from Florida, you might be talking about Georgia and South Carolina and and adjoining states and things like that. Uh, The third one is that you're going to want to go to places where you have friends. And I'm talking about PGY1 here because PGY2, many of them already are moving on to PGY2. Uh, or PGY1s that are currently in already were chosen for PGY2. And the big thing here is that there is no 
early commit with PGY1, which is unfortunate because many PGY1s, uh, and there's no number that we can actually put to this, but they already have a lot of favorite people that they really want and that they're giving individual tours to and that they're giving individual and maybe even a smaller group coming in and saying, hey, you know, why don't you come over and, you know, check out the place and things like that. And maybe you're saying, I didn't get any invitation for that. Right, exactly. It, it's such a waste of time and money that people cannot early commit to PGY1 because I feel like it's so clear who's going to be a PGY1 uh, for many sites. And I would say a quarter to a third of those sites have already chosen who they have. Maybe there's a little bit of a change with the residency application process, but you know how it goes. First 30 seconds, you meet somebody, that's that's the impression you're going to keep. And they've already maybe had one appy or even more uh, in a longitudinal rotation. So make sure you visit those places where you have friends or uh, brothers within the fraternal system, whether you're Phi Delta Chi, Kappa Psi, and so forth, uh, make sure you're going there. So applying to the right places includes going to those places you've done an appy, going to a place where your appies match, going to uh, places within the region, uh, and then going to places where you can find friends or colleagues or peers. Uh, second thing is meeting the right people. Uh, so in showcase, uh, what you want to do is see, are these my people? And I don't mean race or anything like that. What I mean is, are these the type of people that I would get along with? And you're going to find that residency classes tend to be uh, very similar in terms of who they are from year to year. And sometimes like you, you may have like the quiet class and your and then the not so quiet class and then the quiet class again. It's weird how it you know skips years like that. But when you're talking about showcase, you really want to make sure that this is someone I want to work for. So the number one thing that when you go out and get a job, the most important thing is that you and your supervisor have a good relationship. And uh, I remember uh, with my dean, we've uh, done 75 miles together in a run with eight other people from the building. Um, and, you know, we had a really good relationship, really close relationship where we know each other. And obviously he's boss, I'm uh, subordinate, but uh, really good relationship. So although you're going to be getting your questions answered from those people that are there, what you really want to find out is what do they think of their RPD? Obviously RPD standing right behind them. So it's hard for them to be critical, but that is the most important thing you want to get out of that. Uh, second thing is that you should be going to the socials at night. Don't say, oh, I just want to get up early, get a fresh start, make sure I get a showcase. Uh, the socials are where things happen. So if you go back to Ben Franklin and how things worked out with him and his uh, politics and all of that, because he went out at night, he got a lot more done than I think it was John Adams. I want, I'm not sure if I have that right, but Franklin got things done because he went to the French social parlors and salons and so forth. And then the other guy went to bed. You want to go to those socials. So you start with your own state social. And then what you want to try to do is see if you can't get an invitation to some of those socials, like uh, if you're applying to a certain state, whether it be Texas or South Carolina or something like that, and see if they're going to have something that, that can kind of continue the meeting, kind of continue uh, what you're doing. Uh, those are on the ASHP website. Uh, the third thing is, and I think the most valuable, is to find out if there are people from that residency that are going to be in the residence poster session. Now, the residence poster session is after showcase on Wednesday. Uh, some of you may be leaving early. That's fine. But the most valuable thing you can do is actually 
start with a relationship with one of the residents so that when you are name dropping in your letter of intent, if you do that, there are reasons to and not do it. Uh, you really want to make sure that your residency poster is something that you are interested in because if you have a true conversation with them about the poster, you get to learn a lot of things. Number one, what kind of support did you get from the program? Not just the RPD. Uh, I remember when I was uh, doing residency, we got so much support in math uh, from the PhDs. And they basically said, we, we sat down with them, a uh, half hour conversation with them saved us a ton of time when we were doing our actual projects because they said, well, if you ask these questions in this way, you are making it really hard to work with that data. If you ask questions in this way, though, the data works out really, really well. And that saved us so much time. And then they put it into the software, did all the number crunching. Uh, we had a poster that was uh, set up in, in the way that we could do it and, and got all of that done. So uh, with meeting the right people, number one, showcase, make sure that you are finding that the RPD is someone that you want to work for and the people are uh, the type of people that you would like to be around. Uh, number two, make sure you're going to the socials at night. Doesn't mean you have to get to drink or, or do those types of things, but must go to the socials at night to, to meet those people, continue the conversations in a much more relaxed atmosphere. And number three, make sure you go to those posters on Wednesday. Not only uh, will you learn a little bit about that, but you'll, uh, by going to the posters, you can learn so much about the poster process. And you can also learn a lot about certain topics. And those are so valuable when you go in. Imagine going into an interview and saying, oh, well, I remember going to your poster and start talking about it. People love to hear about themselves. So two, meet the right people. Uh, number three, send the right materials. And this is where I kind of come in, uh, but not here in the very beginning. Uh, the first thing is to send a thank you. And I know that many of you are going to be like, do I send a thank you to everyone and all that stuff? You just want to send a thank you to the people that you met. So somebody might have given you a little information. You just send them a quick email. I have a template on uh, residency.teachable.com, the thank you email. Uh, thanks. I just uh, wanted to say I enjoyed talking about blank. And I appreciate that. And hopefully you have a follow-up question because the most difficult thing to do is be remembered. And the way that I try to explain this to students, and I wish we could do this, but uh, let's say that you, I was just at my daughter's daughter's uh, basketball game this morning. And let's say you have a hundred applicants for eight spots. Now take 100 pieces of paper out of a ream of paper, put them on the hardwood floor of the basketball court. And now push eight a little off to the side. And you can see just how hard it is to choose those eight people out of 100. And you see that the big thing is, how am I going to be remembered? And so one of the ways to be remembered is to continue the conversation. Instead of saying, okay, well, I met them in showcase. Now I'm continuing the conversation with those sites that I'm interested in. Because this is the really weird thing about this is that when you are doing this and when you are getting kind of this... Uh, relationship going. They have a bunch of inner people, a lot of things going on. And if you are not in a constant conversation with them, it's very tough for them to know that you're interested. Because at the end of even the interview, they can't say, okay, great. We, we think you're a great fit. Uh, we're going to rank you number three out of eight. Uh, they can't even say anything like that. So it's tremendously frustrating that you will get no feedback. You can read body language, you can think about what they said, but honestly, uh, keeping the conversation going, knowing that you're talking to one or two people at the site, that's a big deal. 
Uh, number two, the letter of intent. So this is where I fit in and try to tell your story in the best way possible. And really what I've been finding is that there are four levels of letter of intent help. Uh, number one is where you get a review from someone, maybe they're your cheerleader or a parent or something like that. And, oh, this is great. Looks good. Oh my gosh, you, you are a shoe and you are absolutely a great fit, but you don't actually get any comments. Or maybe you get some comments, but they're comments and it, you're not really fixing it. You're just getting comments and they say you should do this. But then that means you have to go back and forth, back and forth. And maybe you're not doing that back and forth because you took this class a semester ago or two semesters ago or something like that. Uh, number three is where you get a revision and maybe you turn it in and the person says, OK, this is great. But the problem with many of the people, especially if your revisions are coming from the preceptors in the field, is that they don't know when you copied from a template or not. They might think that that is a very original letter of intent, that uh, you uh, came up with it all on your own when you know full well that it came from the ACCP uh, example papers, or it came from the UCSF template, or it came from my template. The misconception is that when someone works with me and does this and I revise it, that the template looks anything like the template after it's done. It doesn't. What we do is we create a unique template for you, uh, that's going to highlight what is important about you, those probably three areas out of the big five, the clinical, the teaching, the research, uh, the service, and so forth. And we make sure that uh, that looks great. Um, and then the other misconception is that people are doing this like a paper. That is, they're doing it on their own. And that is false. Uh, not only do many people have a class for this to help them, not only do people have people in their lives that help them, uh, but the one thing they don't have is an English major doing it, for the most part, that is a pharmacist. So they might have an English major in their family or somebody who does have that kind of grammar syntax or understanding of thesis, evidence follows thesis, uh, paragraphing, making sure that things go from one paragraph to the next, making sure that you make your point, that you have your rhetorical arguments, logos, ethos, pathos, those types of things, maybe they have that, but not the pharmacy part. Or maybe they have the pharmacy part, but they don't have the English part. And that's the one place where I feel like I'm really unique in that I have an undergraduate English major. I was working on a PhD in basically English and computers, rhetoric and professional communication, ended up with a master's, but uh, I just fix it. I revise it. I make comments in the email telling you, this is what I did. Uh, but the average change, or at least according to Word, is about 100 to 110 changes. So I don't have time to bring someone along and say, hey, let's you know become really good at this. It takes eight years, if you are a non-native language speaker, to get to the level that you need to to write this letter. Uh, and then it takes, I would say, probably three or four years of having courses that are very uh, driven by writing. And the big gap right now in pharmacy school is that the communication tends to be with PowerPoint. Uh, if you're making a presentation, uh, maybe there's a paragraph or two with something, uh, maybe you're doing cases, but what you do not do is long papers that have thesis, arguments, evidence, conclusions, all of those things. And uh, a one-pager is the big thing. So uh, again, if you need my help, residency.teachable.com, uh, the LOI course is there. Uh, the last thing is when you talk about um, following up with a residency site and we're talking about sending the right materials, 
if you are a non-native language speaker, one of the big concerns is that an email will basically destroy your application. And if you don't have Grammarly, you at least want to have that. But it is best to have a native English speaker looking at every single email you send uh, to any program. Because what's going to happen is they can look at your letters and your stuff, which might be very well manicured, but then they start seeing your emails. And if you email in text speak or uh, your email many times can be insulting uh, because of the way that certain languages, there's kind of a, in English, or at least in American English, there are a number of qualifiers that Grammarly will tell you to take out that you want to leave in. And what they are is it's going to the humble brag where you're not full of yourself and you say, I believe something to be true rather than it is true. Okay. And what it's doing is it's softening your approach. And if you don't soften your approach and you're like, I can't wait to make changes there. They're like, whoa, hey there, buddy. Uh, you are PGY1. You don't know what's going on yet. Uh, we're not going to be making any changes here uh, anytime soon. And you actually push them away. Uh, so when we talk about sending the materials, um, we really want to make sure that those thank yous are not a thank you one-offs, but that is a conversation starter and continuer. Uh, number two, that your letter of intent, uh, you are not copying a template because I will tell you that when I first started doing this, and it was four or five years ago, 50% of letters of intent start with, I want to express my. If your letter of intent right now starts with, I want to express my, you have eliminated your first paragraph because most, most residents who are reading your letter will do one of two things. One, they'll start looking for plagiarism. Okay, let me put this into the plagiarism checker. It takes about five seconds in Grammarly uh, and it can see that you've uh, copied X amount from uh, the templates. Or they're going to just skip the first paragraph altogether. And you have lost about a quarter of your argument because they're like, all right, well, I've already seen this. I don't need to look at this because they are scanning letters and they are scanning CPs. I know that you think that, and this is a, an understandable misconception that they spend as much time reading it as you did making it. That is not the case. Okay. It's your job to make sure that the most important things are there as they scan it. And then uh, the third thing is making sure that you follow up with the residents and continue to talk to them uh, as you're going past the thank you point where you're following up on their research. And so now that you've met them on Wednesday, uh, you've talked to them about something meaningful, now you are getting to the point where you're going to become a colleague and that you're going to become their peer. And that when you go to the interview, it is not an interview, but a conversation that is affirming that you should be there. So those are my three tips. Apply to the right places, meet the right people, send the right materials. Uh, those will do what you need. Um, again, I'm happy to help you with your letter of intent. I do also help with CVs if that's something that you want. And then when we get to the interview, I do have an interview course that can help you with the interview. But uh, what I am what I do in terms of writing is that you will send me your presentation, your PowerPoint presentation, and I will correct that and, and make sure that that is as it needs to be. I'll give you some advice. Don't do the soap note. Don't do subjective, why I'm a good candidate, objective, why I'm a good candidate, assessment, why I'm a good, you know, why you should be 
assess me as a good candidate and here's the plan. Uh, that's something that's been done uh, many times before. And it would be a nightmare if you had somebody else in the room doing the exact same presentation you did. All right, need my help, Tony the pharmacist at gmail.com. If you've got questions, residency.teachable.com uh, if you want to check that out. Have a great weekend in Vegas. I know that it's uh, a little bit stressful, uh, but just remember, if you are an introvert, and I'll give you this last piece of advice, if you are an introvert, the most valuable thing you can do is get out of your head. That is, when you are talking to people, start thinking about, well, what is it that they are interested in? What is it that they're doing? That is the easiest way as an introvert to get out of your head and stop thinking about what they're thinking of you is to continue to ask questions about them and find out more about them. And they'll like you better too. All right. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast, a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. You might also like to check out our available residency audiobooks at pharmacyresidencypodcast.com forward slash books, where you can get your first book free if you've never been on Audible before, or work one-on-one -on -one with me as a professional editor at residency.teachable.com. Feel free to send an invite to connect with me, Tony PharmD, on LinkedIn, or email me at tonythepharmacist at gmail.com with questions. Music was by Policy.